take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 103. Let's see, is it, is it my wireless that's on? Yeah, okay, good. My wireless is on. I can move a little bit if I need to. Psalm 103 is what we're looking at this morning. And, and again, just a, a, a reminder of, of why we're in Psalm 103 and when that might not sound like a Christmas psalm to you, just uh, in case you haven't been here for a, a week or two. I am preaching from what you could be reading if you're reading along in our D group. And we're looking at uh, Christmas songs, not actual Christmas songs, but the, the psalms that are a part of our reading that we then look at through the eyes of Christmas. We look back on these psalms and we see how they speak to us based on what we now know, the full revelation or the fuller revelation of Jesus Christ. We won't get the full revelation until we see him face to face. Psalm 103 uh, is, is the season for praise, is what I'm calling this message this morning. And I get that from, let's go to the, uh, the Christmas story in Luke. And we find that as we read the, the Christmas story, beginning in chapter 1 of Luke and, and going on to chapter 2 of Luke, everyone who encountered Jesus went away praising. Or, or praised right there. It, it starts back in Luke 1.46 when Mary uh, gets uh, told, hey, guess what? You're going to have the Savior. And she says in Luke 1.46, my soul praises the greatness of the Lord. We could even go back a little bit and Elizabeth's words aren't about praising the Lord specifically, but you hear her praise when when John the Baptist in her belly leaps at the fact that Jesus is in Mary's belly and she says, who am I that the mother of my Lord would come and, and, and be here? And, 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 and you, so you, you hear the awe. Elizabeth went away praising. Mary went away praising. When the angel showed up, and we read this last week and kind of used it as, as our lens for the 23rd Psalm, the, the shepherd's psalm, when they sing glory to God in the highest heaven, they knew who the second person of the Trinity was. They had been there before. They, they, they knew all about Him. And yet when they announce His coming to the shepherds, His birth to the shepherds, they can't help but praise. Verse 20, the, the shepherds, chapter 2, verse 20, the shepherds go and they see the baby and they marvel at this thing, this gift. And we talked about that last week. And verse 20 says, they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard which were just as they had been told. They went away from their encounter with Jesus, a newborn baby, maybe hours, only hours old, maybe only minutes old, who knows when they got there, and they went away glorifying and praising God. We read on about uh, Jesus' presentation in the temple when he would have been eight days old, and Simeon shows up, and, and he holds him and, and prophesies and worships and says in verse 28, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you have promised. Verse 28, sorry, I read 29. Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, 
and said, and then he prophesied these things. He, he, he got to hold the baby he had been waiting for his whole life. And that Israel had been waiting for, for well, since the garden. In verse 38 of chapter 2, we read about Anna. And at that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about Him to all, to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. An encounter with Jesus, even at a few minutes old, or the annunciation of his, the announcement of his birth, or the, seeing him a few minutes old, or seeing him eight days old, it didn't matter. When they saw him, they went away praising when they knew who he was. When they, their hearts were turned to him, even as, that, as a baby. Well, Psalm 103 is a song of praise by the people because of their encounter with the Lord. It is a result of the people knowing the Lord and praising Him because of who He was. They, they go back all the way to the Exodus in order to worship in this song. Now, depending on uh, who I read throughout the week, some called this song the forgiving God. Uh, if you have a, a Christian standard Bible, that's probably the heading you have above Psalm 103. Some had, it, uh, had a heading uh, for this psalm of so great His love. Both of those capture it. Both are true. But today, for us, as we read Psalm 103 in our reading this past week, whatever day it was for us, Thursday or something like that, it celebrates the season for praise. We look at Psalm 103 through the lens of Christmas and we see the season for praise. Now, Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of, of the encounter that the psalmist writes about here in Psalm 103. The psalmist writes about encountering the Lord, the Lord's work in the past, the Lord's work in the future, but what the psalmist may or may not know he is looking forward to is the coming Messiah. And Jesus fulfills that ultimately. Now, fulfillment of, of Scripture <clears throat> does not just mean or even necessarily mean fulfillment of a prophecy. Remember, I, I said a couple of weeks ago that these psalms aren't prophetic psalms about the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem in a manger or anything like that. That, that was not even close to their intent when they were written. These weren't prophetic psalms. But what fulfillment means for us, most of the time actually, is the fully realized experience and meaning of the text. Jesus fulfills all of Scripture. Jesus is the, 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 the period to every sentence in the Bible. Jesus didn't just fulfill prophecy he completed Scripture. So when a psalmist or a writer in the Bible asks a question, where are you, Lord, or how long, Lord? Where are you, Lord? Jesus would say, here I am. How long, Lord? He says, I'm coming back. Maybe I'm coming the first time here, or I'm coming back the second time later. When, when a writer expresses fear in a situation, it is Jesus who calms that fear. He completes that scripture. When a, a writer uh, talks about hurt, as this psalm does, 
both physical pain, spiritual pain, emotional pain, psychological pain. It is Jesus that fulfills the Scripture and heals the hurt. It is when we read the Ten Commandments and, and we read the, the, the laws in Leviticus and all the punishments that go with the breaking of those laws, it is Jesus who fulfills the laws. It is Jesus who follows the rules. And then it is also Jesus who takes the punishment. So that's what I mean this morning when I say Jesus completes or fulfills Scripture. So He fulfills or completes Psalm 103 in this way. He is the one who gets the praise. He is the reason we have a forgiving God. He is the proof of so great His love. Jesus makes this the season for praise. Now, Psalm 103, if Scripture were a hundred miles long, if from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 were a hundred miles long, then Scripture, uh, 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 Psalm 103 would be like an inch of that, okay? So this is one piece that Jesus fulfills. And Mary, the angels, the shepherds, Simeon, Anna, most likely they weren't thinking about Psalm 103 when they were praising God. But they could have sung... And we can sing Psalm 103 as a Christmas song. And that's the way we're going to look at it this morning. So let's read Psalm 103 together. My soul bless the Lord, and all that is within me bless His holy name. My soul bless the Lord, and do not forget all His benefits. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with good things. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He revealed His ways to Moses, His deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His faithful love toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. For He knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. As for man... His days are like grass. He blooms like a flower of the field. When the wind passes over it, it vanishes, and its place is no longer known. But from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is toward those who fear Him, and His righteousness toward the grandchildren of those who keep His covenant, who remember to observe His precepts. The Lord has established His throne in heaven, and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord. All his angels of great strength who do his word, obedient to his command. Bless the Lord, all his armies, his servants who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all the places where he rules. My soul, bless the Lord. That's the psalmist's praise of the Lord who saves this morning. We can divide this psalm up fairly easily into 
four sections. Uh, uh, the first section we have is a personal encounter in verses 1 through 5. David, uh, possibly, this may have been written later, and it's like a psalm of David, uh, and that's why it has the heading of David at the top. But the, the writer here tells himself, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's almost like he's talking to him, himself, literally. Like, uh, my, my mother tells the story of, of my great-grandfather, her grandfather, that would uh, apparently had a, a rocking chair in the backyard and would sit in that rocking chair and talk to himself. Uh, he wasn't crazy. He just talked to himself like, you know, like all of us do. He just didn't mind doing it out loud where people could hear him. And she would go and ask him who he was talking to, and he'd say, a smart man. Well, David is talking to himself here, and I don't know how, how smart he thinks the man is that he's talking to, but he knows the man he t- is talking to needs to be reminded, needs to be told to bless the Lord. It, it, it's, it's building yourself up. It's, it's, we can do it. We can do this. I can do this. I can praise the Lord in whatever's going on. Uh, it, it, it apparently is what some of the LSU football team did last night right? And said, we can do this. We can beat Florida. They talked it up. They believed it. They, I can do this. And Paul is encouraging, uh, David is encouraging himself. My soul, you, David, on the inside, bless the Lord. Whatever's out here, inside, bless the Lord. Now, it's, it's an understatement for us right now to say this Christmas may be hard. Uh, it's hard nationwide, it's hard worldwide due to the pandemic, it's hard locally due to two hurricanes, it's hard personally because many of us this year will be celebrating our first Christmas without loved ones. And, And then who knows what else is going on in each individual life that makes this Christmas hard. So we, as a people, we as individuals, we get where David's coming from. And we need to tell ourselves, despite the outside, my soul on the inside, and may it bubble up to the outside, bless the Lord. And do not forget all of his benefits. The emphasis here in verses 3 through 5 is on the he, not on the all. So, if you have iniquity that gets forgiven, it's him that does it. If, it's, if you have diseases, all the diseases that get healed, it is him that heals them. If you are crowned with faithful love and compassion, and I love this, the word crowned there, if we were going to translate it more literally, it would be garland. I just love that for Christmas. He garlands you with faithful love and compassion. I just I see a shiny tinsel garland of love and compassion wrapped around us. It's Him that does it. If you're satisfied with good things, it's Him that gives them. If your youth is renewed, it is Him. It's God that renews you. It's all from Him. So this Christmas Despite the outward, 
despite what is going on around us, despite what it will bombard us and is bombarding us with pain and hurt. May the baby in the manger be a reminder of all you have to praise Him for. And I don't pretend that that's easy. I don't pretend that we can just forget everything that's going on. But I do know that that David, or the author, and David, knew what it was to praise the Lord in the midst of hurt, in the midst of pain, in the midst of loss. God the Father, when He sent His Son to the manger, knew the, the hurt, the pain, the loss that Jesus The Son, the second person of the Trinity, would feel in those 33 years, and particularly at the end. He knew what the Trinity Trinity would experience in the, the mystic, cosmic, spiritual workings of their connectedness and yet differentness. He knew the pain, and yet the command, the blessing, the hope, is that we... Bless the Lord even in the midst of our pain. Maybe the baby in the manger be a reminder of you, reminder to you of all you have to bless him for. The second section that we see in Psalm 103 is a, a long section, verses 6 through 14. It's the gift of salvation. And, and it's, it's also the benefits. The, the benefits of, of uh, the Lord are really verses 3 through 5, but the verses 6 through 14 are, I'm going to call components or facets or results of salvation. And he just starts a checklist in poetic, uh, singable form here in verse 6. The Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. This is the social justice that Amos talks about throughout his uh, prophecy to Israel and, and surrounding countries. That's a gift of salvation that righteousness and justice come for the oppressed. It is a gift of salvation. Hear me say that. Verse 7, he revealed his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. A gift, a component, a result of salvation is God's revealed will, which is as much about what God is going to do, wants us to do, but also what he has done. We look back And we see how God has brought us through. And that gives us hope for today and for the future of how He will also bring us through. Verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. We talked about that word last week. Goodness, uh, surely His faithful love will pursue me. His loving kindness, sometimes it's translated that Hebrew word hesed that is almost untranslatable for us, that's there. That is a result of salvation. It's the reason for salvation, and it's the result of. He saves us because He loves us. And when we are saved, we get to experience His love. Loving kindness, compassion, graciousness. Verse 9, He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. That is mercy. When God does not give us what we deserve, that's mercy. We've earned it. 
That's, now is when the no insulation in the church is, uh, in, in the buildings is interesting because we, we hear that rain. And don't be surprised if you see water coming in at some point. So just the way it is, right? That's, that's what we're doing. That's mercy when we don't get what we deserve. And he says, he will not always accuse or us or be angry forever. Verse 10, he, will not, he has not dealt with us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. Aren't we thankful that God does not give us what we deserve, but instead is full of mercy and patience? Verse 11, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His faithful love toward those who fear Him. Limitless love. How much, what can you do to make God not love you anymore? You can't. There's nothing you can do to keep God from loving you as much as He does right now. He will never love you more. So quit trying to earn His love. And He will never love you less. So quit thinking you've lost His love. His love is limitless. As far as the east, verse 12 says, is from the west, so far as He removed our transgressions from us. This, these two passages were the extent of what the culture of the day understood about distances. They knew they couldn't get to the sky, and they knew if they kept traveling that way and kept traveling that way, they'd never meet again. At least that's what they thought, most likely. That, but we know there's more, right? We understand, as best we can, a universe. Millions of light years. We, we understand distances that we can't understand. Maybe we're aware of distances that we can't understand. And that still doesn't give us a good enough image, a, a sufficient image to how much God loves us. As a matter of fact, if we think of those images, out of all of that, God is focused on this planet. And out of the whole planet, He is focused on your soul. Limitless love. Complete justification as far as the east is from the west. That's how far your sin is removed from you. That's how forgiven you are. That is how completely you are justified. And, and uh, the, the age-old way of understanding what justification means, justified means just as if I had never sinned. It's like it never even happened. Who's that? Surf pro. Like it never even happened. Jesus' forgiveness, like sin, never even happened. That's how completely we are forgiven. Complete justification. From all the way over there to all the way over here, we are distanced from our sin. Fatherly compassion. What's interesting about this word, or the way verse 13 words it, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. The, the word compassion there is actually most often used for mothers. Not fathers. It's, it's not some weird transgender idea. It is an intimacy and a compassion that normally 
you don't expect from fathers because they didn't give birth to us. It's what you would expect more from a mother than you would from a father. And yet is our heavenly father who shows us fatherly compassion and motherly compassion. Often we say if you didn't have a good father in life, God is your heavenly father that shows you what a father should be. It's also true about mothers. If you didn't have a good mother in life, God is the compassionate father who mothers you better than any earthly mother ever could have. That, I hope, is a wonderfully comforting image in this fatherly compassion that he has. And then verse 14 wraps up this gift of salvation. He knows what we're made of, and it's a good actual transition into the next section. He knows what we're made of, remembering that we are dust. So as I said, all eight, nine of these are components or facets or results of salvation, but they are found in only one source. So we don't get to come to God and say, God, we need social justice. Because what he's going to say is, you're right, you do. You need to lift up the oppressed, and you need to do it through Jesus, the blood of Jesus. You need an understanding of sinfulness so you can understand what needs to change in order for things to truly change. Band-aids on a sucking chest wound don't do much. And that's what much of our ideas of, of what justice can be in life are. The ultimate healing for that is Jesus. You want to know God's will in your life. It begins with a relationship with Jesus. You want to know true loving kindness, the true uh, chesed of God. Look at the cross. You want to experience forgiveness. Come to Jesus at the cross. You want to know mercy. Look at the fact that what you deserved was put on the shoulders of Jesus at the cross. You want to see unlimited love. See the Son, the second person of the Trinity, hanging on that cross for you. You want to know complete justification. Give your heart, give your life, give your sin to Christ and watch God separate you from it so that it never has control over you again. If you want to see fatherly compassion, motherly compassion, then come to the only one who can ever truly comfort you because he takes away your biggest problem Sin. That is the Jesus that we have. And may you see in the baby in the manger, or maybe you see rather the baby in the manger as your only source of salvation. That is the gift. That is the gift that the psalmist looked forward to, though he may never have intended the Messiah Knowingly or unknowingly, he was waiting on the Messiah to come. The third section, verses 15 through 18, show us our eternal hope or an eternal hope. The, the author, even whether it was David at 1000 uh, B.C.-ish or some folks after the, uh, after the exile in Babylon, which is what some scholars think somewhere around 450, 400 B.C. Regardless, they understood that their hope was not 
here was not humanity. Because he says, as for man, his days like grass. He, he blooms like a flower of the field. When the wind passes over it, it vanishes, and its place is no longer known. That's what happens in the desert. It's, it's actually saying the, the dirt doesn't even know where the grass went. It was, it was just dirt for a long time. Got a little rain. Suddenly there's grass. The dirt was all like, hey, grass, how you doing? And dirt turned around. Suddenly grass is gone. Because it's that quick in the desert. Springs up, quick life, and it's over. Earthly benefits are temporary. Earthly benefits are temporary. If we think, and we, we, we go back to the benefits that the psalmist talks about, remember all of his benefits, right? He forgives your iniquity, he heals your diseases, he redeems your life from the pit, that is, he saves you from death. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with good things. If we think about those things, those three verses, verses 3 through 5, we can all think of, of, of exceptions. We can all tick off a list of those times when we at least have felt like there was an exception to those things, to those benefits. We, we can go down that list of results of salvation and social justice, revealed will, loving kindness, etc., etc. And we can think of instances when we go, wait a minute, but God did not act. God did not do in this situation what I thought He said He would do. We can think of exceptions. The reality is that everything earthly is temporary. Earthly benefits are temporary. He may heal all my diseases. But I'm going to die. He may rescue me from the pit this time, but that's just this time. There's going to be that time when the pit gets me. He, we, we may find justice for the oppressed, as he talks about in verse 6. But the oppressed will need justice again. We may find his revealed will, but there are going to be times when we say, God, you're not telling me what I need to do. You're not showing me what's next. I have no clue in this situation. We may have times when we feel His loving kindness envelop us, and then like the psalmist, we will say in other times, God, where are you? I do not know what you're doing now because I have no idea where you are. Psalm 22 that we looked at two weeks ago. We have His forgiveness, the promise of it, but there are days when we wonder, A, how in the world can I be forgiven? And B, how, why don't I feel forgiven? Or B, two, why don't I act like I'm forgiven? It doesn't change the reality of the forgiveness, but this temporal life, messes us up. Mercy is true. Mercy is full. Mercy is free. And yet consequences for our sins happen. God, why weren't you merciful, merciful here? And if he were a smart aleck like me, he would say, well, you're not going to hell, are you? He doesn't do that. He's better than me. That's why he's God and I'm not. But he does say, I've got you. My mercies are new, how often? Every morning. 
that doesn't change. As far as my sin is from uh, my, my sin is as far as me from me as as the east is from the west. I am completely justified, and yet today I am all wrapped up in the middle of my sin. God, where were you? And He says, "I was the one pulling on your shirt tail, trying to get you out of that. You were the one who were doggedly pursuing the sin that I've freed you from." Fatherly compassion. How many times has your child refused the hug you wanted to give? The compassion that you had and the child said, I don't want your compassion. How many times have we as children of God said, I don't want your compassion. I don't want to be in your house. I don't want to be where you are. And yet we still have his fatherly compassion. Earthly benefits are temporary, like dust, like grass, passes over and we are gone. But, the second section of that passage, 17 and 18, but from eternity to eternity, the Lord's faithful love is toward those who fear Him, and His righteousness toward the grandchildren of those who keep His covenant, who remember to observe His precepts. Earthly benefits are temporary, but God is permanent God is forever and we will only experience our salvation fully in eternity there are those who say God's not concerned about eternity that salvation is only for now it's only for making life better or making other people's lives better that's that's the social gospel if you uh, know anything about the early 1900s and uh, a guy named Feuerbach and another guy named Schleiermacher and some others that were uh, around, particularly in churches in the Northeast, saying God's work, Jesus, is not about saving souls for eternity. It's about making life. It, it's making social justice the gospel. Social justice is a facet of the gospel, a facet of salvation. Salvation truly will only be experienced in eternity. True freedom for oppression will only be experienced in eternity. God's full loving kindness will only be experienced in eternity. His revealed will will only be experienced in eternity. We will only know what it is to truly be forgiven and to always feel that way in eternity. When we get to eternity, God's mercy will be so clear to us that we'll wonder why, if we wonder this stuff, why did we ever misunderstand it or miss it on earth? We will experience God's love without the boundaries of space and time and our continued sinfulness. We will see our completed justification when we bow at the throne of the Lamb and worship Him with all the saints. And we will get the benefit of the fatherly compassion face to face and crawl in. I don't know if we get to crawl in his lap or not, but I'll, I'll, I'm going to think that anyway. Get to crawl in his lap and experience the Father the way he always wanted us to experience him. God is permanent. And that's what salvation will be one day. May your focus this season, this Christmas season, in the midst of all that's going on, May your focus this season on the baby in the manger. And I'll call this, this memorial moment in time. 
This is just one of how many Christmases? It's my 46th. For some of y'all, it's your aid and me. It's just, and it's done. But it's a memorial moment. And let this memorial moment fill you with the joy of eternity. Because when we see the baby in the manger, we see eternity. And then, like so many in the Christmas story in Luke chapters 1 and 2, let this time lead to reflexive praise. The psalmist goes on and says, Bless the Lord, all the angels. Bless the Lord, all His armies. Bless the Lord, all His works. My soul, bless the Lord. His angels praise. I don't think David or the psalmist here is giving any command that the angels went suddenly, oh, that, dead gummit, you're right, shoot, okay, praise, no, it ain't that sort of thing that's happening here. It's not them forgetting to do it. It's David merely declaring what is already going on. The angels praise him, his his angels praise him. His armies, if they're different from his angels, his heavenly armies praise him. His servants praise him. His created objects, the psalmists are, are, the psalms are full of all creation praises. His works praise his name. If, if uh, when Jesus was coming through in the triumphal entry, and some people are saying, you need to shut your people up. And he said, if they don't praise me, the rocks are going to. Creation praises him. His created objects praise him. So who are you? Oh human, that you don't praise him. What in your life can be, and I'm, I'm, I'm not diminishing or downplaying what is going on in anyone's life, but I'm saying that biblically there is nothing in your life that is so great that you can't walk away from an encounter with Jesus in praise. What in your life is keeping you from praising Jesus? May your encounter with the baby in the manger this season leads you to personal, my soul, spontaneous praise. It is a reality that we may struggle to find his benefits. There may be someone here this morning who is struggling to find his benefits. And Michael, yeah, I know what it says. I know it says, my soul bless. I know it says, don't forget all his benefits, but I don't, I, I don't see the benefits. I, I, I understand. I get it. I've been there. Who knows? Maybe I am there. So I know what you're talking about. Remember all he's done. I know I've told you before that as church planners, one of the earliest pieces of advice we got was... When it looks like you're done, when, it, when, it, when all, it's, all, it's over, there's no way you can go another day, nothing's working out, it's, it's just not happening, go back to your call. Remember your call. And, 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 and then take whatever the next step is. And that's what we did for four years until there was no next step. And we knew, nope, this, this time, this period... This season in our life is over. 
It's the same kind of thing that that the, the psalmist is saying here. Struggling to find his benefits? Go back as far as you have to. The psalmist went back some thousand years, maybe, to talk about the Exodus. Go back as far as you have to to find what God did and remember his benefits. As you struggle, are you, are you looking for acts of righteousness and justice for the oppressed? Are you looking for his will and are you looking for his compassion? Are you looking for forgiveness? Maybe, just maybe, you're not finding those things because you've never experienced salvation through Jesus. Those are gifts. Those, those, rather, those are facets components, those are results of salvation. You've got to get the salvation first, except the gift of salvation. That's verses 6 through 14. The gift of salvation results in these things. Is your eternity unsure? I talked a lot about looking forward if right now is not working out, but without Jesus, you have no forward to look to. You only have this. I know I've said this before. For the believer, earth is the only hell we will ever know. For the unbeliever, earth is the only heaven they will ever know. We live on a beautiful planet. But if this is the best there is, pandemics and hurricanes, really? There's better. There's better. So if your eternity is unsure at this moment, if you don't know what that next moment after your last heartbeat holds, after your last little brain wave, the Lord's love is faithful. Experiencing the love of God through the sacrifice of Jesus is faithful in eternity. And then you this morning... You watching whenever you watch this. You get to go in out in praise today. Because with Mary, you know the greatness of the Lord. My soul magnifies the greatness of the Lord. My soul praises the greatness of the Lord. You go out in praise because with the angels, you can sing of peace in a pandemic, and a storm, and in whatever else your life is going through. You go out in praise because with the shepherds, what you have seen and heard matches what you were told. Y'all, nobody can take away your testimony. And even if your testimony is this long, in a life that's this long, and you can only look back at a couple of things that come to mind in your deepest, darkest moments, you can still say at those moments... What I, had, what I saw and what I heard matched what the Bible told me. Go out and praise today because with Simeon, you've seen the Lord's salvation as you look in that manger and see that baby. Go out and praise today because with Anna, you found your redemption. You've been bought back. You are Gomer on the slave block 
with Hosea having to buy his wife from prostitution. That's you on that slave block. Being redeemed, bought back, repurchased, brought back into the family by Jesus on the cross. All of this, all of this praise by being born again. That's what it comes down to. Michael, I've got to do other things. No, you don't. You just trust Christ. You just admit that you're a sinner. That, that all, you understand we've all sinned. We all do it. We all fall short of the glory of God. That includes me, and that includes you, and that includes me, and that includes you. We've all done it. And because of those sins, our eternity is secure. Separation from God, right? This is the only heaven we will ever know absent Christ because of our sins. But the gift, the present, the, 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 the package on the manger is salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Eternal life, a sure eternity with God because of Jesus. And if you don't believe it, if you struggle, if you have trouble remembering his benefits, if you can look at no other benefit, look at the benefit of the cross. Look at the one who is up there for you. You personally. Your sins. All my sins, all of them. Forgive all of them as far as the east is from the west. He can love me that much as high as the heavens are from the earth. You can be forgiven. I can. Everyone can. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Even my sin uh, east and west. He loves me. Heavens and earth. Yes. Everyone. How do I do it, Michael? I got to give money to the church? Nope. I got to join the church? Nope. I got to do a certain number of whatevers to be a part of it? Nope. Surely I've got to do something. Confess with your mouth, Jesus is the Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. Really? Belief, Michael? You're going you're gonna to save me with belief? Oh, pfft, no, I ain't. But God is. Trust him. And you can be saved. It's that simple. And you, today, can go out with praise. Because you have seen the Lord's redemption. Oh, my soul. Pray with me. Thank you, Father. That your salvation is secure. That it is still potent. That it is still given. That it is still precious that that baby in the manger still presents in this memorial moment an opportunity to remember your benefits. God, may we with the psalmist say, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is in me, bless him. Bless him angels, bless him armies, bless him servants, bless him Creation, my soul, bless him. And Lord, for the, the believer, the, the one who has trusted Christ and is, is struggling to, to remember, struggling to find them, Lord, bring them to memory. Let them know what you have done. Remind them of what you will do. Your scripture actually says that, that you will remind us. You, you'll do that for us.
Because life is going to cloud those things out. Pain is going to tell us. The devil is going to use those things to say, God's forgotten you. He does not love you. Your eternity is not secure. You have no reason to praise him. But God, you can break through all of that with your fatherly compassion and find us there and remind us of your benefits. And God, for the unbeliever, the one who has never trusted Christ as Savior, Maybe they've been a member of the church. Maybe they've given. Maybe they've done all the things, said all the things, prayed all the prayers, and yet they don't find that they have the forgiveness. They don't have, they don't experience the the loving kindness, the peace. They might be able to say, I've talked about his salvation, but they can't say with Simeon, I have seen it. They might say, kind of like Anna, I've, I've heard messages about the redemption, but they can't say with her, I've experienced it. God, may today be their day. To trust, trust Jesus as their Savior, give Him their lives, repent of their sins, and believe. And go out with praise. Because this is the season praise. And may we do that this morning in your name. Amen. So in this time of response, you need to do one of those things. Believer, unbeliever, you need to respond and, and, and say, God, I, I, I need to remember. Maybe you're remembering now and, and you need to pour that out, pour out that praise. Maybe you need to trust Christ. I can lead you in a prayer. Tom can lead you in a prayer. Prayers don't save people. Belief will save you. So, right where you are, I'm a sinner. I know it. Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I believe that you are who the Bible says you are. That God raised you from the dead for me. And that by that belief, I can be saved. That's it. That's all you got to do. But we'd love to know about that and celebrate it with you. If you're online, send us a message. Let us know you've done that. Send us an email. If you're here this morning in the room and you want to grab one of us and talk to us about it, we'd love to talk to you about that. Let's stand, or don't, if you want to sit or kneel. Concrete's fairly clean. Let's worship him this morning. Let's go out with praise.